continually stand beside me and bless me and continually speak into my heart and my soul. And you know, encourage me. We're helpers one of another, encouraging each other as we go day by day. Thank God for my God mom over there, Elder Reed. Thank God for all the ministers, the elders, congregation. And I just thank God for the Lord being the head of my life. Thank God for him saving me and delivering me and keeping me. And just give God all the praise and the honor. And I was just thinking when Bishop was up talking, you know, he said you wanted to go back. <laughs> I can remember one time, I think I had my car all packed up. Yeah, I did. I had all my stuff in the car. Yeah, I told, remember when I came to your house, I told you I was leaving. I was on my way back to Georgia. But God say, oh no, ain't so. <laughs> I'm still here. Almost 20 years later, we still here. But it's the glory of God that I'm here. It's only by his grace, only by his mercy, you know. And I thank God for the prayers of each and every one. I thank God for the prayers of our bishop and our first lady and our saints and friends because I know that I couldn't have made it without the prayers of the righteous that avail as much. Because when you look back over your life and you see some of the things that you had to experience, some of the things that you had to go through, and you wonder how you made it. <laughs> like the songs say, when I look back over, you know, mm. Mm, mm, mm. hallelujah, my soul, sometimes I want to be quiet, I don't want to say anything. I keep saying that, but my soul, it just won't be quiet sometimes. When I think about the goodness of God and all that he have done for me, my soul continually, even when my mouth don't move, my soul is still crying out. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. I thank God for this opportunity. We're going to get into the word and hoping and praying and knowing that this word is going to bless you today. If you'll turn with me to the book of Romans, and we're going to kind of start out here, and I'm going to get into the word. I'm a little slow, so if you be patient with me, I promise we'll get to the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the title of my message today is The War Within. The War Within. And this was a particular scripture I'm going to be dealing mostly with is in the um, seventh chapter. I, I love what Paul had to say in this um, chapter because it really um, makes the word relevant to my life. It makes the word relevant to the things that we are faced in. We're faced with on an in and out day and day basis, you know. The struggles that we go on with. And many times we heard our bishop say that, that it's the enemy, right? The inner me that I'm battling with. And the war within is what's going on here. And so when we look at this particular chapter, not only this particular chapter, but when I look at the whole book of Romans and Paul kind of start making an argument that 
in the entire human race is surrounded by three um, insurmountable walls, large walls that's got us in surrounded here. Three of them. And the first one starts off with the wall of universal guilt. And when you look at that thing, and it breaks down this whole entire book here, and it goes from the one half of it is dealing with doctrinal, um, the study of the doctrine, and then the other half is dealing with practical part of the scripture, how you take it and apply it, and how you put it into action, and how you make the word of God work for you. And when I was looking at it in that first um, chapter, in the third, and through the third chapter, it talk about the wall of universal guilt. The thing that we are sometimes um, bound by is guilt. And the world is, is bound by the guilt. And what I'm talking about is sin guilt. We know that we have not achieved the things that God have called us to. Or, or when you look at it, because of the word and because of the law, the law had um, came to kind of be a schoolmaster and to lead us to the door, but it couldn't take us in. And sometimes the law was so much, in, you know, kind of, kind of keeping us locked down till we couldn't fully do the things that God wanted us to do because of our guilt. And the guilt was a, was a for real guilt. It wasn't a guilt that wasn't happening because the word lets us know that we were born and shaped into iniquity. So we realize and we have to come to the realization that we are sinners saved by grace. And that's the thing. So, so yeah, there's some guilt around us. And when we look at it and when the enemy deal with us in this situation, he can condemn us of the things that we have done in the past and even some of us are still doing them now because we're a work in progress don't forget that you are a work in progress not that you know I'm going to try to condemn anybody because I'm a work in progress also and that's the one thing that we have to remember but, but here Paul was trying to make it plain to us and he was trying to show us what the law was and what the law did and how the law operated. The law operated so much to the point to it kind of kept us bound so much that it kept us in sin. It was, one portion was telling me, I was reading and it said it's like almost like dung or like, you know, dung, what dung is. And you're, and you're stirring and it just starts to smell sometimes. And the more you're stirring it, the more it smells. And that's how the law was. It kept showing us ourselves and showed us how jacked up we really was. That's what it was doing. And we're talking about the law that was the Ten Commandments and back there when the Pharisees and the Sadducees constantly dealt with the law. And this is the law I'm talking about, the Ten Commandments that was there. The law is good now. I'm not saying that the law is bad because if we didn't have the law, then we would just do anything we wanted to do all the time. If you didn't have a speed limit on the highway, it would be a wreck every 10 seconds. So the law was good in what it came to do because it had to govern us. It had to set some rules and some regulations in place that we abide by so that we could operate hopefully in a harmony with each other, just like marriage. And when you look at marriage and, 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 and people are married and as long as your spouse, 
you are married to your spouse, you're bound together. Right? And that's that law that I'm talking about. We was bound to the word. We was bound to the law. But the law couldn't do everything that we needed it to do. It could only take us to the door. It couldn't take us in to where we needed to be. But the law was good because it was something that showed me that I was a little messed up. The more I tried to get myself right, the more jacked up I was. The more messed up I found myself getting to be. The more um, um, entangled with the yoke of bondage I found myself as I tried to get myself right. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the wall that Paul was talking about. This is one wall. You imagine that we got three walls, you know. One wall here. Then you got another wall here. And you got another wall. And we're in a little bitty wall right in the middle. And that's the wall of universal guilt. Or say, for instance, universal sin that we were born and shaped into iniquity. And in that first chapter, in the third chapter, it talks about it. But in the fifth chapter of Roman, and starting at that first verse, just turn over there with me right quick. And reading, it said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith, this grace into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope make it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, and by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So as you get in a wall, obviously we got to have a door to get out, and the door is faith. Yeah, we got a wall, and, and we got three more walls we got to go. We got two walls we got to go. And so right here in this scripture, it's talking about the justification process. Now, we know that we've been justified over 2,000 years ago when Christ's blood was shed upon the cross. But sanctification is a process. It's a progress that we have to work through. So I know that I've been justified. But I got to believe that I've been justified. In order to get out of the door, I got to believe. And belief takes faith. And faith is built up in the word of God. So I, I, I know I'm in a wall here. I know, I know I'm in a jacked up place. But the faith of God through hope in Jesus Christ now. Because people got a lot of hope in a lot of different things that's going on in this world. You might have hope in your candidate that you might go out and vote for. You might have hope in your bank account. You have, might have hope in your vehicles. You might have hope in your, in your spouse. You might have hope in your children. But I'm here to let you know today that your hope should be in Jesus. Our hope has got to be in Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Because that's the only thing that's going to last. Everything.
everything else around us is going to trump, trump, uh, tr uh, crumble and fall, but Christ and his word shall last forever. So we're justified, and justification is what opens the door to take us to the next wall that we have to go through because we're in a progress of moving. You can't stay still. You always got to be in a moving position. When we was in the school, in the, in, the, in the school of ministry or in the Bible school, he was talking about, you know, Christ is never handing off a baton. It's like a relay race. You can't stand still and expect to win the race. And you get disqualified if you drop the baton. So God ain't passing nothing off to nobody that's sitting still. So if you're looking to go somewhere in God, then you better get to moving because God ain't handing it off to nobody that's sitting still on the bench. So this thing is a constant process of moving into the place where God wants you to go to. And everybody is a part of this race. It's not an individual race, it's a relay, meaning that you got other people that's working with you to take you to where God wants you to go to. We're connected one to another. We're in this thing together. Your gift and my gift your talent and my talent, along with the spirit of God, is what's interconnecting all of us together. And we have to be on one accord in order to move into the place where God wants us to move to. One accord, working together to achieve one goal. The one goal is that we reach heaven. That we'll be that good and faithful servant that God is calling for in these last and evil days. We want to say, well done. By good. It's one thing to be good, but 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 we find ourselves having a struggle when it comes to being faithful. And we just had our workshop which talks about loyalty and faithfulness and lining ourselves up with our leader, getting into the place where God wants us to be. We're not jostling for positions, we're just lining up that God can do his purpose. It's about his will, not about your purpose, not about your plan, because we all got plans that we have tried. I tried my plan and it didn't work. I tried and I tried over and over and over again. I always came up short. I always came up short when I left God out of the equation. When you leave God out of the equation. And my pastor talks about, you know, how um, inspiration turns into manipulation. Mm. And I always look at that thing because it's so true. You know, we might have did a lot of things. I might have even been intimidating in the world, you know, by getting a mean look on my face and telling people what I will do and what I won't do, you know. And, and, you know, I used to fight a lot. So I, I, had to, I had to work a lot off intimidation. I wasn't a big guy, so I had to intimidate people, you know. But I had a lot of brothers and sisters. They backed me up most of the time. So people a lot of times want to use intimidation, and then when their intimidation ain't work, they start using manipulation. That's so true. And it's in the house of God where we use manipulation to try to get 
what we want. But God ain't looking for nobody to be manipulating. Uh, trying to get what you want. You just got to work within the plan and the purpose of God. And God will take you to where he wants you to go. Because the words say humble yourself. Hmm. See, I love that, that scripture because it lets you know I'm giving you an opportunity to humble yourself. Because one thing about God, you know, he, he, he's not a cruel God. He's always a just and a righteous God. So he always gives us an opportunity to get it right. Hmm. But that thing say humble yourself. Because if you don't, hmm. See, God will have to come in and, and, and break you down and break that wheel and get you shaped and formed. He throw you back on the potter's wheel and takes and breaks you. And, you know, to get broken, it hurts sometimes. And, you know, you, you, you're painful, you know. You, you, uh, and you're crying and your heart is aching, you know. Ain't nothing like a heartache. Huh. You know, me and my wife, we've been together, we've been together a long time now. Yeah, and we done been through some heartaches, you know. About 25 years, right? Yeah, it's about 25. We've been married about 25, but I've been knowing about 30. 30 years now. But uh, I've been through some heartaches, you know, and I've been through some pain, you know, me and my wife, we're with each other. We have been through some things together. And when I look back over my life, like I was saying, and you wonder how you made it. I remember I had the divorce papers. I was trying to get her to sign them, but she wouldn't sign them. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I ain't telling you no lie now. I'm telling you what, what we had. But God. See, that's, oh God. We have got to continually be in the presence and the plan of God. When I look at it more and more, I realize that it's not about my plan. It's not even about my purpose. Because your purpose don't really matter. Because you, you tried your purpose and you tried your plan and it just never works. Never, ever works. Never. So this scripture here in the fifth verse is talking about going through, you know, um, trials and tribulation and, and talking about patience and experience and experience and hope and hope making not a shame. See, that's the thing about us, Christian people. And I can talk about us because I'm one of us. We, we don't never want to go through nothing. We don't want to go through nothing. We want everything to be given to us. You know, I was talking to my friend the other day. We was out eating lunch and, and me and him was discussing and we was talking about, you know, people just want everything to be given to them. They, you know, when he say when he, he uh, whenever he's witnessing to people, he always let them know that th this here is not an easy walk. It's gonna be some trials. It's gonna be some tribulation. It's gonna be some heartache. And, you know, you know, because if you ever been in love before, and a person, you know, yeah, I gotta get back to get back. I was right here. I, I remember now. Get back here. Heartache. My heart was aching. And, you know, I, I broke my wife's heart, too, so, 
you know, this, this was a two-way street. But what I learned through the process, see, and that's what it's talking about in this fifth chapter here. It's talking about a process of tribulation, a process of patience, a process of experience. Experience will do some things to you and teach you some things that life normally wouldn't teach you if you didn't have problems to happen in your life. So God know what we need in order to move us over here. See, because if things wouldn't have happened to us in Georgia, we would have never got here. You know, I wouldn't be here today. I probably wouldn't even be alive. I know I probably, I know I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be alive. See, so God knew what he had to do within me and within us to in order to move us. Just like Abraham, you know, he was comfortable with his people. But God said, move out. Leave your kindreds behind. Because I got something greater for you. I got a greater blessing for you. But you can't get the same blessing here that I got for you over there. So we got to be willing to move with the Spirit of God. Now I'm saying this with the Spirit of God and make sure you're in tune with the Spirit of God. Because if you move without God, you just move to the wrong place. A jacked up place. Now you have to go through more trouble. You took the, you took the scenic route when God was trying take you on the expressway. So we got to remember to stay within. And the thing that me and my friend was talking about was things that we go through and that this walk is not easy. It's not easy. Uh, my pastor say not at all because after 37 years of dealing with us, hmm, can you imagine Yes, it's got to be hard. It's got to be very hard. But yet and still, he stayed the course. He kept the faith. He kept pressing towards the mark. Mm. Every now and then, taking a peek back to see where God had brought him from to keep him encouraged to keep going. You know, so every now and then, you got to take a look back. But don't look back too long like our last month scripture was. You're liable to run off the road and crash into a pole. Keep pressing towards the mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Glory, but it's what the Spirit of God want me to tell you. You know, because this is off a topic right here. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. See, some of y'all are ready to give up. And you just don't know your blessing is right around the corner. See, right around the next horizon is the blessing that you've been praying for. You've been fasting for it. You've been praying that your children get delivered out of the situation you're in. You've been praying that your husband get delivered. You've been praying that your wife get delivered. But if you quit now, you'll never reach the point in the place of blessing. Keep pressing toward the mark. Stay within Christ. Press towards the mark. Young people, press towards the mark. It's going to get hard because this ain't easy. 
You're going to have some heartaches. You're going to have some pains. You're going to have some disappointment. Some people are going to tell you that you will never make it. But you got to press. You got to press. People will look at you and say, you'll never make it. They told me that me and my wife would never make it. I was abusive in the relationship. They said, you would never make it. When people look at me, they're like, you a preacher? See, y'all, y'all only know me now. You don't know me when I was. They don't know me when I was. I ain't got all these scars on my head for nothing. I bumped into a lot of walls. Got hit upside the head with some bottles. Got some cuts and some bruises. But through it all, but through it all, God is able to deliver you. He's able to take you through. He's able to get you to the next place in your life. But you got to stay faithful. Press. Glory. Sometimes you want to give up, but press. See, you got to keep pressing. See, Paul knew what the deal was here. He broke down the next wall, was taking us to another place. And we're going to move on because I, I feel the spirit of God just all over me right now. So we're going to keep pushing this thing. And the next wall was a wall of, of, of sinful tendencies. And how many times we find ourselves all messed up with some sinful tendencies. So Paul was telling himself, he said, when I want to do right, when I want to do right, I find myself doing wrong. And he asked a question. He said, what? shall deliver me from this well, wretched man that I am. Hmm. That's in the seventh chapter of Romans. Talk about what shall deliver me when I get that tendency to do the wrong thing. And the right thing is right before me. But in this body is a war going on. The war within. See, my flesh want to do what it want to do. But the spirit is saying, don't do it. But my flesh keep doing what it want to do. But the spirit say, don't do it. So what can keep this vile man from doing what he want to do? Mm, glory. Nothing. But the spirit of God. He said, now that spirit mm, that was in Jesus will be working in you. Mm. Glory. You know what I'm talking about. Because we all got those tendencies. We got tendencies that cuts people out. We got tendencies to do the things that we shouldn't do. But God. Ha. Ah. Glory. But God who is able to keep us. He's able to deliver you. He's able to take you. Mm. Huh. Glory. Sometimes I find myself backed up in a corner. 
but God. See, that's how it is. Now, Paul knew that we was going to have these type of problems. So the word came to let us know, how shall I hmm, keep this vile man within me when that old flesh want to do what it want to do? Then you got the word saying, do this. The war. See, it's real. What you're feeling is real. It's real. We have to deal with it. And the only way to get this thing under subjection over here in the eighth, in the uh, 12th chapter of Romans, mm, he said, I beseech you. Therefore, by the mercies of God. See, you got to take this old body. You got to take it and crucify it. Mm, you got to nail this thing to the cross. If you could just lay on the cross, you can get up. But Christ said you got to nail it to the cross. And you just don't do it once a week. You got to do it daily. You got to crucify this thing daily. Because if you don't, it'll rise up and take you to places that you don't want to go. I ain't saying that God don't want you to go. I'm saying places you don't want to go. Because I've been in places that I didn't want to be, but this flesh took me there. It'll do it. Be real with yourself. Paul was real. Because he had real experience. He had real struggles. Just like we deal with today. Deal with them. You got to crucify this thing. You got to crucify it. Because it can take control of you. It's like a raging animal. When you don't nail it to the cross, it'll get loose. Start tearing up some things in your life. Tearing up your family. Tearing up your church. Tearing up your jobs. Tearing up your finances. Tearing up your home. But if you nail it to the cross. Huh, say, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself. Huh. A living sacrifice. God say he don't want no dead thing. He wants you while you're yet living. Huh. Oh, Jesus. Help me. Huh. You got to nail it to the cross. This thing is vile. They're working in us. See, and Paul realized that he had to get it under subjection. But he said, this vile thing that's working in me, how can I get it to where it needs to be? He said, through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That's the only way. That's the only way. Ain't no other way. Because like the song said, I've tried it. Over and over. And every time I had to come back. Hmm. 
to the cross. You try to get away from the cross, but you can't separate yourself from the cross and have Jesus. Huh. Ain't no God without the cross. You can have a God, but it won't be the true and living God. Hmm. Hallelujah. So we realize these sinful tendencies that work it within us, that we need that door, the next door to get out of that wall is a door of regeneration. Hmm. You got to regenerate yourself. Huh. In the eighth chapter, in that first verse, down to the fourth verse, he said, therefore, now, no condemnation. See, the enemy, see, I had to learn this through the word because in this mind, the enemy is always talking to us. He's always telling you what you ain't and what you can't and what you won't never be. But the word come back and encourage me in my spirit. Because he said, therefore is no condemnation. The enemy come to condemn you. But the Holy Spirit come to convict you. It come to say, you just messed up. Now you got to get it right. So know the difference between condemnation and conviction. Because the conviction come to help you. The condemnation come to keep pushing you further and further away. Because see, what he'll tell you is that you ain't gonna never get it right. Just give up. You might well quit. You went out to the club last night, now you're showing up at church. Give it up. Quit. Stop. But see, no. Remember, my wife was telling me what her mama had told her. And this is true because I, was, I used to do the same thing. You go to, to the club on Saturday night and show up at church on Sunday morning. But her mama would never discourage you. She said, keep on coming. Mm. Sometimes you guys got to keep on coming because what you got to do, see, because the law will continually condemn you and it'll tell you that you ain't going to never get it right. But grace... And that word in there said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God say, I forbid. So you can't always use grace as an excuse to sin the way you want to sin. Get it right. Let me make sure I get it right for you now because you ain't going to be leaving out here saying, I told you to do it. Ha! You got to get it right. Yeah, the altar is here. But you shouldn't be 20 years old in the word of God still doing the sins you did when you first got saved. You got to have some growth in your life. We got to grow. So my, my wife would tell me that her mother would keep encouraging her. Keep on coming, honey. You'll get it right. And now, yes, she is. She kept on coming. You kept on coming. I kept on coming until we got it right. So don't let the enemy condemn you to the point that you give up. Young people, 
You're going to mess up sometime in your life. But keep coming. Keep on coming. Because we messed up too. Oh, people, don't judge them. Just pray for them. Keep lifting them up. Keep encouraging them. Remember where you was at. Because I've been there. I can see me and you. I remember when people even in my own church I was at a Methodist church you know they thought I was the baddest thing that ever happened I mean bad I don't mean bad in a good way like bad I was bad but they kept encouraging me you know they kept encouraging me older people I'm talking to us in here right now. Encourage our young people. Keep encouraging them. They need your encouragement. I always remember because I can see myself. You know, and if somebody just would have took a little more time, you know, to encourage me, I might not have been as bad as I was. Hmm. But that's okay. Because Romans 8 and 28 <laughs> said that all that I did, all that old messed up stuff I did, God used it for me. He said, I'm going to work it for your good. All the messed up stuff. I ain't saying go do some messed up stuff. I'm just saying being encouraged when you mess up to know that God can use it for your glory. This Bible has a lot of jacked up people in it. God didn't hide that from us. He didn't hide that and say, no, I ain't going to tell that David was an adulterer. I ain't going to say that Jacob was a trickster, conniving, and he went down there to, to his brother, his uncle Laban, and he found out that his Laban, Laban was a better trickster than he was. <laughs> ain't that amazing? So encourage our young people. Don't only encourage our young people, encourage the new converts that come in the church. Don't run them off. Encourage them. Realize that you, if it was not for the grace of God, could be in the same situation. When I look at people on the street, I look at people anywhere, I know that that could have been me in that situation. My mama had 15 children. I'm 15, number 15. That's what I am. I'm the last one. Yeah, she worked hard, squeezed me out. I'm here. Woo. But we was poor, man. We, my mom, was, we was always on welfare. I didn't even have a doorknob on my front door. We used to turn a latch to lock the door. That's how I used to be. We didn't have no hot water. We, didn't, we bathed in a pan. You know what I'm saying? Heat water up on the stove. So I know how good it is that I have it. But the one thing I do, I don't let it go to my head because of the blessings that God has given me. I always look back and I can remember the good times. You might want to say that was bad time, but they was good time because mama had a lot of love to give. She always kept us clean. 
always kept food on the table. And I always was grateful for the things I got because I always didn't have it. So young people, be grateful for the things that God has blessed you with because there's some child out there somewhere that don't have the same opportunities that you have. They don't have the same things that you have. So be appreciative. Be grateful for the things that God has given you. Now, we, we enter into the third wall and the final wall, and it's the wall of sovereign election. And we know in order to get through that door of sovereign election, we got to go through, the, uh, get out of that wall of sovereign election, we got to go through the door of universal salvation. Opportunity. We got to remember that Christ did it all for us. The law was not bad in what it came to do. It served its purpose of leading us, showing us ourselves, and leading us to Christ. Now that we have Christ, we have grace, and we're operating in grace. Don't abuse this grace. You're not fooling nobody. You know, you, you, yeah, let me say that again. You're fooling me. You're fooling people in here. But God knows. God don't want you to think you're getting over on him by saying, okay, I'm going to pray tonight after I just got back from the club and go right to church and whatever. You know, God understands that we're going to fail at certain things. But I want you to be encouraged to grow in Christ. You got to grow in Christ. Don't use the word or don't use grace as a crutch to continually sin because God forbid that you continue in that. It ain't so. And the church nowadays, um, you know, have turned more into a social club than a place of worship. People are more or less talking about where they belong than who they are. You know what I'm saying? You just can't sing on the choir and not have no anointing. You can't be a deacon and don't pray. Sinning all the time and thinking you can come pray to people happy. It don't work like that. You need anointing. You need the anointing of God. That what's going to destroy the yoke that's what's going to call people to get delivered you could sing a song and if I could I would sing but with the anointing the preacher don't even have to preach because the anointing will be so powerful that the sick will be healed hmm. the blind eyes will come open People in wheelchair will get up and start walking. People that's bound by sin will be delivered. But you gotta have the anointing is what makes the difference. Because some people can sing beautifully. They can sing. They can break glass. But they can't break no yokes. 
That's the difference. That's the difference. We can feel it. I can feel it. Can we feel it, Pastor? I can feel it. I can feel the anointing when it's flowing. And I can feel when the anointing ain't flowing. Be careful what you do. Make sure you're doing it unto God. And make sure you're lined up with the word of God. That he can bless you and take you to where you got to go to. So, the surrender life, and once you come out of this third wall and you walk into the, the universal salvation and opportunity, it's always about Jesus. It's never about how well you can preach, how well you can sing. <laughs> and I was reading, and I was listening to this guy. He, I was reading in the book, in the... Uh, the book we just got through studying. And it talked about first use your sword, right? Yes. And say if your sword don't work, use the name, which is Jesus. Yes. And if that don't work, use the blood. Yes. And if the blood don't work, use your testimony. Yes. In the book we just got through reading. So it gives you steps to use. There you go. And you can use them in an effective way. What if your testimony is all jacked up? Meaning the way that you live in front of people. What can you result to? And if you ain't got no anointing, you're just a tingling symbol. You're just making noise. Be careful and be sure that you have the anointing. This is no joke. Jesus is soon to come. Don't you see it? Can't you hear it? Can you feel it? He's soon to come. And when he come, and he cracked the sky, and the dead in Christ shall be caught up first, then them that are still alive shall be caught up to meet him in the sky. But when I get there, I want him to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Is that what he'll say to you? when you come before him or will he say depart from me you worker of iniquity you stayed in church every Sunday you was at every prayer meeting but I never knew you you preached a good sermon but I never knew you ask yourself because that's what the law do it helps you look at yourself this word helps you to look at yourself. Not to say, brother, you should have been there. This word just came forth for you and me. I don't never take the word home and try to give it to my wife or give it to my children. The word is for you because you are here today. So the question is, what will you do today with what you have heard? Will you give your life to Christ today? Will you? Huh? Is there somebody here that don't know the Lord in their sins? And you would like to give your life to Christ. The altar is open for you. This is if you never knew him. And you want to be in his presence when he comes. This is the time. The appointed time.
tomorrow is not promise. It's a shame that young people are dying on the street every day. Not only young people, but children, very small children, getting killed by innocent or, or stray bullets. So you don't know what the next minute, the next hour beholds. Christ is saying, will you come today? This is the appointed time. Because tomorrow is not promised. Hallelujah. I thank God. Nobody's coming. The word of God is always inspiring. It's always encouraging. And we have to use it to gauge our lives and see where we are and what it is that we need to do to get to the place where God wants us to be. So the word come to encourage some. It come to rebuke some. It come to discipline some. So wherever the word has hit you today, take it, apply it to your life. Allow it to grow. And let it be used in a way that it can take you to the next level where God wants you to go to. I give God all the praise and the glory. Thank God for the word. Thank God for you. Praise him. Hallelujah. Yes.